The crypt thing is a skeletal hooded being that is normally depicted as sitting on a throne or chair of some kind. It never leaves its lair and does not attack if undisturbed. Welcome to the Red Dice Diaries podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today, as voted by you in our Twitter poll, we're going to be delving into the mystery of the crypt thing. Okay, so in the Fiend Folio for AD&D 1st Edition, the Crypt Thring is a solitary undead, always encountered wearing a brown robe. It never leaves its throne or lair, and in terms of raw power, although it's not a pushover, it's not exactly going to be throwing down with high-level heroes. The main strength of the Crypt Thing is it has an unfailing ability to cast an improved form of teleportation on those who would seek to do it harm. Those targeted have to make a save, and... If they fail, they're teleported to a random place in the dungeon, as determined by a D percentile table. The table in Fiend Folio reads as follows. So it's 1 to 20, you go 100 to 1,000 foot north. 21 to 40, same distance but south. 41 to 60, same distance but east. 61 to 80, same distance but west. 81 to 90, you go a dungeon level up. 91 to 100, you go a dungeon level down. Each person is teleported to a random place individually, instantly splitting up the party, and presumably the crypt thing relies on that fact to ensure that they sort of fall prey individually to foes they might have defeated as a group in the dungeon. Anyone who succeeds on their save can attack the crypt thing, but will need magical weapons to do so. The Fiend Folio also describes an aberrant crypt thing which, rather than teleporting people, paralyzes them and turns them invisible, no doubt leaving their foes thinking that their companions have been disintegrated, or something along those lines. The Crypt Thing doesn't attack these people, but seems to derive pleasure from sowing discord and confusion amongst its foes. Now, love, you've got the AD&D Second Dead Monster Manual there, so what does it say about the Crypt Thing in that? Uh, Again, it has the teleportation power. The actual description is fairly similar. Yeah. Uh, we've got the teleportation power, but not the paralysis and turning invisible thing. Uh, they can only be hit by magical weapons. Yeah. We've also got this sidebar, which I thought was quite interesting, it being in second ed and it definitely not being in the later editions. Yeah. Which... Uh, says that the spell enables the caster to cause a single dead body to animate and assume the status of a crypt thing. The the necromancy element, uh, out and proud in the 80s D&D. Yeah, I mean, obviously in the first one its sort of origins are left to a mystery, but specifically here in AD&D it tells you that there's two types of crypt things. There's one which is ancestral, which sort of occurs naturally, and the other, as you said, love, created by a wizard or a cleric of at least 14th level, and they've got a little box out with that spell in that you're talking about. Um, it's quite an interesting little sidebar to have like details on how to create the magical creature. I can see why it's been left out later, because necromancy, satanic panic. Anyway... Yeah, I'm just going to say one of the things I like about the ecology is it also says that like the powdered like bone marrow of the crypt thing can be used to create lots of different uh, magic items like potions of undead control, pipes of haunting, and stuff like that. Yeah, this is another thing that you see 
a lot in the second ed book and I think it was mostly just filler in the second ed book but a lot of it's a really interesting little read yeah I think you're probably right I mean as we've said in previous versions of this each monster in the AD&D second ed monster manual has a, a single page a A4-ish spread so I think on quite a few of them especially with the crib thing where basically it's an undead that can teleport things they had to like fill up some of that space so they added in these cool extra things which I think ironically are often like the most interesting bits of it now another thing that I noticed that in here is part of the description it's it encourages the GM to use their own judgment as to where players are teleported oh, right, to. Okay. And it then says, particularly clever crypt things have been known to transport victims several hundred feet into the air or atop a vast chasm, leaving them to fall to their death. Now, I can see that resulting in a lot of TPKs for a lot of 14-year-olds who then got put off the game. Um, just from the GM reading that and taking it far too literally. Yeah, I think that's interesting as well because uh, the way I sort of read it in the original Fiend Folio, I mean, this this might just be me, but based on the random table is I just assumed that the Crypt thing didn't really have that much control over where it teleported mm-hmm. people. I just thought it went like Shazam and then forgot about you and it just sent you somewhere random. Whereas that seems to suggest it's got more control, which makes sense because you have a certain amount of control when you cast the teleport spell. But like you say, I can see... I mean, if you can just teleport someone like a thousand foot straight up in the air and watch them drop to their deaths, you know, that makes you pretty much invincible. Whereas that little detail, if your bard has found out that there's a crypt thing in the dungeon that you're going to, that's a really handy little detail to give him and to underline how dangerous that teleportation power could be without actually having to use it on them in that way. I'll tell you one thing that I think would be quite cool as well, a way you could perhaps encounter them sort of like indirectly, is I quite like the idea of like you're just sort of like sat in a village like nearby a dungeon or that's like on top of a dungeon or whatever, and all of a sudden like this other adventurer just like randomly like drops out of the air like into the middle of like your camp or like you're eating your, your provisions or whatever around your campfire, or maybe you're buying something at like the village market, and this adventurer's like, ah! <laughs> into the ground and he's a member of some previous hapless party who's like met this crypt thing he's failed his save in Shazam he doesn't know what happens to his people and that could be a great hook into it like he's oh we've got to go back and rescue my friends and it's also more interesting than just like the wise old like wizard turns up and is like oh, I need you to venture into the dungeon so do we want to look at third ed yeah and in third ed Crypt things didn't appear until the release of the third edition Fiend Folio, which is essentially a monster book with some extra bits and pieces thrown in that, besides being a monster book, didn't really have any ties to the original Fiend Folio. The artwork for this I'm, I particularly like shows you like the hunched over, rotting coward skeleton sat on a large sort of stone throne. And I was going to say that's one of the differences in the artwork in the AD&D Monster Manual because I believe that's the only depiction that just shows it stood up. In all the other depictions I've seen anywhere, it's always been sat down, and even the miniatures of the crypt thing have it sat on like a a sort of stone chair or like a throne or something similar. Well, it is that classic image, isn't it, of the players going into the dungeon and there's a skeleton in the throne, and then they do something dodgy and it moves. 
that's it. I, I don't know why that that was particularly wrapped up in the crypt thing or whether it. So I, I've not found it specifically stated anywhere they can't leave their chairs, although it says that they they never leave their lair. But I've always sort of like going back years from when I just sort of knew them from miniatures and from the old rafters. I always thought of them as sat on their throne. So I don't know whether it was captured on a miniature and that just sort of got carried forward in sort of like lore or whatever. But anyway, in third ed, as tended to be the way with that system, it gets a load of skills and it gets some feats allowing it to deflect arrows. It gets improved initiative. It gets a weapon focus for like its claws. So it, it's becoming more aggressive now. The initial one was just like a sort of Shazam, I've teleported you and it didn't attack. Whereas from sort of the monster manual version through third edition it becomes more aggressive and the teleports just like it's opening gambit i do note that the the teleportation ability has been limited to once per day in third edition i don't think it was in previous editions it doesn't suggest that the gm uses their judgment the rules are very specific yeah quite (laughs) quite and also in this ver- in previous versions the monster had been like 100% immune to clerical turning like you just couldn't turn it because it was rationed out that the magic that summoned it that allowed it to do the teleportation was so strong that like you couldn't turn it however in third edition they're no longer 100% immune to being turned but they do count as having four more hit dice for those purposes so they've definitely put some limits on the various powers and abilities it has. And I think potentially, as you were saying earlier, that's just to stop it becoming this like frustrating, like insta-kill monster that can just like shazam you into a chasm or like up into the air or whatever. So was it in fourth ed or fifth ed? Well, I've had a look and I've not actually been able to find any official mentions of the crypt thing in fourth edition, not even in the open grave secrets of the undead sort of monstery book that they did, which I've got a copy of, which I thought I was bound to be a goer for that. It's a famous mm-hmm. type of undead, but no. Um, however, there is a homebrew version on the D&D wiki. We'll put a link in the description of this episode. But that version of the crypt thing, like I say, it's homebrew, it's not official, but that seems to be based bizarrely on the aberrant crypt thing from the Second Ed Monster Manual. It doesn't have the teleport ability, but as a minor action, like a recharge of six, it can cause a target to be stunned, blinded, and deafened and turned invisible. So again, that's basically like, it can just be like, and then turn to your fellows, it can be like, I've just disintegrated your mate. And until it wears off, you have no idea it's not telling the truth. Because as far as you're concerned, it points at your your fellow, they disappear, they're gone. So again, they seem, the person who like, created that seems to have done away with the teleportation ability which again is, is understandable i can understand why they don't want to have people like slogging their way through a dungeon just to somehow have this monster be like Mm-mm-mm! and like teleport you away again um, in terms of fifth edition as of yet the crypt thing doesn't seem to have made an appearance in the current version of DD, and i've had a look at like all the books i've got although if any, i've not got a vast array of fifth edition books so if anyone out there knows different feel free to drop us a line and let us know Okay, so chatting a little bit about the crypt thing, I was going to say for me, it seems that originally it was designed as an inconvenience to the party, you know, designed to split them up, force them to like confront different sections of the dungeon on their own. So you might have like, I don't know, smashed your way through like a load of orcs on your way there, big party of adventurers, happy days. However, if you suddenly get teleported to that same part of the dungeon, 
and you're only like the mage and there's no one else or whatever it's suddenly a lot more difficult and I agree it could be very frustrating but I could also see if it was played right and you know a bit sort of sensitively it could be quite a scary thing because it's a whole fear of isolation isn't it because your use all you know is suddenly you're in a different part of the dungeon your character doesn't know what's happened to your friends are they alive are they dead or, or has any time passed um, are you even in the same dungeon I mean if it's if it's like a fairly sort of nondescript part of the dungeon you might be anywhere really or like you say if you just get teleported to like a big cave that could be any part of the dungeon you might even be in a bit you've not explored before and I could see that it could be a you could make a claim for it being used to have players explore areas of the dungeons they otherwise might have just like bypassed or explored but I think it was clearly made for sort of like mega dungeon you know big big dungeon use because let's face it given those distances on that teleport table if you're in like a tiny dungeon with like a little tomb or whatever it's not going to have like 16 levels or like a thousand plus foot of like dungeon for you to be teleported into yeah it strikes me as something that could be sort of for a mid-level party quite an interesting villain to sort of find out about yeah and you don't need a big dungeon in front of it you just need like a couple of false starts so yeah there's this tomb there's a crypt thing in it yeah we need to go and retrieve the MacGuffin from the wizard who's buried there who summoned the crypt thing to protect him yeah and you've got to go and find out like oh how can we like please the protector of this tomb or otherwise overcome it in order to retrieve the MacGuffin while bypassing this teleport ability because every time you get near it just zaps you back out of the dungeon and you're stuck in the village again. Yeah I mean I think that could be a fun little thing and like say the the sort of undead guardian of, of some MacGuffin that you've got to get is like a tale as old as time we all know that trope but I think with the crypt thing, you could potentially, like, ironically, like, give it some new life because mm-hmm. it's it's not a monster you're going to use every day. Because I think if you, if you used it more than a few times, it it would just get annoying. Like, can you imagine if you had a game and you like you, you defeated your crypt thing, you went to the next dungeon and there was like another crypt thing and you're all getting teleported everywhere again? I, I think that would start to get very annoying unless you're playing like a game where you were deliberately like playing it for laughs. But um, I could see sort of used sparingly every now and again. Like I say, it's a quirky sort of interesting like type of undead because it doesn't have the standard powers of the undead. It's not going to level drain you. It's not going to like turn you into another crypt thing. It's not going to do anything of that. The only power it's really got is Shazam you somewhere different. So yeah, I think it could be interesting if sort of used sparingly. And I mean, we can see looking at the, as they've sort of, I suppose have limited it as they've gone on with various editions. I suspect that's due to people like using them in games and getting frustrated with being teleported everywhere to, to the point where they've sort of said, "Oh, well, we'll make it like it can do it once a day, or we'll make it a bit easier to pass the saves or something like that." But as you were saying, I could see that uh, the way I would suggest using it is maybe sort of telegraph the fact there's a crypt thing there right from the start like we were talking about earlier the guy falling out of the sky into the village marketplace so from the get done of it as a big surprise from the get go just let him know there's a crypt thing there 
because I think the annoyance factor would be, all right, we're going through a dungeon, we're coming up to the main boss, we're looking forward to a big fight. Oh, I've been teleported. Whereas if the players... See, no Sorry, go ahead. That's why I'm saying bypass that whole big dungeon bit. Because, honestly, how big... How much of a dungeon is there going to be in front of you, crypt thing? Would you not put something like that front and centre to get rid of things like invading orcs? Yeah, quite it's, possibly. It's a tomb guardian, and it's there to make sure that you don't need any other protection on your tomb. Why would you bother to then put your tomb like down at the bottom of a dirty cave? Well, like I said, I mean, I'd go for the idea of telegraphing the fact there's a crypt thing in there right from the very start. So then it becomes less of a sort of jump scare, like surprise, as mm -hmm. the crypt thing. And as you were suggesting earlier, it becomes more about, uh, all right, we know there's a crypt thing in there. We know because this guy fell out of the sky and he was like, oh, I've been teleported. We, we know that's what's going to happen potentially when we meet it. Then it becomes more of a sort of, like a sort of, almost like a mystery where like you're, okay, right, so we know this thing's there. We know we need to get past it. We know at least a couple of its powers. Now we need to find out a way we can get around it. And that that might just be the case of going like, oh, right, okay, um, if it's doing teleport, we'll probably get some sort of save or whatever. Can we get any magic items or anything that's going to like stack those saving throws in our favour? And you might just rush it with like brute force and be like, let's tog up on all the magic items. Let's rush it. Hopefully enough of us will pass our saves that we can... like. Give, give it six of the king's best or whatever <laughs> so you could do it like that or you could look at like you like you were saying other ways like this thing's obviously intelligent because it's described in all of the, the editions of D&D as like doing these things to sow discord and because it enjoys the sort of chaos it strews around so it's it's not unintelligent because otherwise it'd have no appreciation of that so if it's intelligent can it be reasoned with does it want anything could you maybe bribe it? Could you maybe find out exactly what it was set there to guard? Because if it was set there to like guard the remnants of like an ancient king, for example, maybe if you're like, oh, actually, all we want is that like tapestry on on the wall, and we're prepared to give you this for it, maybe it'll it'll let you pass. Or better still, if we get the magic MacGuffin, we can continue the legacy of the wizard that's guarded here. Yeah, exactly. And I mean. Although it's although it's obviously portrayed as like some some form of intelligence, presumably it's bound to to guard this place. It doesn't just get up and leave and forget about it. So presumably the spell that creates it sort of binds it to this duty. Has like particular limits and particular sort of requirements. So like when you resurrect the skeleton or whatever, and you're like right, patrol this corridor. You give it clear orders. I imagine that when this thing is created, it's given like a clear mandate. You are here to guard this against intruders in this manner. So you could also portray that. Like, how happy is the crypt thing with like just being stuck on this throne for like hundreds of years, like guarding the body of this king or whatever? Because it's intelligent. Maybe it gets a bit bored after a few hundred years. Perhaps that's why it enjoys like teleporting people back and creating all this thing. Maybe it's just like I've been sat down here and no one's come along for like 300 years away come these like chump adventurers who are like coming in to like steal this shiz in here I'm going to amuse myself because I'm sorely wanting for amusement by teleporting them about all over the place or making them think I've, they've disintegrated people so perhaps if it craves amusement and it obviously does as portrayed in the earlier editions perhaps if you offer to provide it some alternate form of amusement in return for being allowed to go and get the MacGuffin or whatever you're after 
maybe it'll agree to it. I mean, what if you said to it, like, oh, um, if, if you let us in and let us take this, like, minor little trinket, we'll arrange for, like, the next year, like, every month, we'll send, like, some people down here, because we've cleared the dungeon out, we'll send some people down here and you can, like, teleport them about. <laughs> if that's what you're into. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that's the thing that, like, a, a particularly sort of, like, good aligned in inverted commas like party would do but that's just a, a random example perhaps it has all the wants and needs that you could pander to to get your hands on that sweet sweet MacGuffin afterwards mm. okay so that's been our episode about the crypt thing thank you very much if you voted in the twitter poll and if you're listening to this we hope you've enjoyed the episode until we see you next time take care stay safe keep gaming if you want to get in touch with us you can leave a message for us using speakpipe there'll be a link in the description below or you can send us an email to oddrpgpodcast at gmail.com take care and we'll see you soon bye turns them individual individual